Hello and welcome to Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. This is Deb, your host, and I'm talking to Cheryl Costa. Cheryl Costa has been dealing with UFOs since she was 12 years old. She is a military veteran, journalist, playwright, UFO researcher, witch, and a former professional in the aerospace industry. Now retired, she has spent endless hours working with her wife, Linda Costa, on USA's UFO statistics. Their book, UFO Sightings Best Reference, United States of America, 2001 to 2021, has been featured on George Knapp's Mystery Wire and is a must-have for a serious UFO researcher. Together, the mothers of UFO statistics are currently compiling books for each state. Thank you for coming today. Thank I'm you, Deb. I'm excited to talk to you. I have so many questions. So obviously by the name of the show, you know, this show is about data and you are like the queen of data. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, I want to go with um, something. I've been called a numbers nut too, but. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with queen of data, queen of data. Queen of and data, by, I like it. Yeah. Um, sometimes, by the way, I'm, I say um, data or data and it's something i don't know what i do i don't know why i do that. it's okay it's both of those you're the queen of both of those um so i wanted to ask about you know i kind of caught the fact that you were an experiencer um at the age of 12 and i was wondering if you could kind of go over that just a little bit before we go into all of the data okay um actually uh, that's my first experience with seeing a ufo with my parents Mm-hmm. And sitting there marveling at this big silver ball parked out there like a rock in a in a clear blue sky on a, a August afternoon. Okay, um, that rattled me. Uh, I was fascinated because my mother said it might be something NASA's doing. They were only like five six years old at that point. Um, it might be something the Air Force is doing. It might be a weather balloon. You know, whatever. And then she looked back back in the back seat and looked at me and she said, "You know, it might be people from another world." And, Whoa, you know, let's talk about this, you know, and um, had never given that a thought. Um, that is the first experience with a, a seeing what I think was a craft. Now, we got down to the we got off the hill, we were up at my uncle's farm. I came down off the hill, past the corn, and everything, turn left, head back on the state road, right? Tar road. And I got up in the back window of that, of the uh, Chevy Impala, you know, like, who are you guys? Who are you guys? Watching that thing, right? And when it decided to go, I didn't see an effect like that again until like the uh, early 90s with one of the Star Trek movies. Something that was that boom kind of thing, you know, and it just changes you. And, you know, I was like 12, 13 years old. And, uh, you know, Mom and Dad are stupid at that age, you know, for us, you know. So, you know, I, I, I went there and I, 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 we disagreed on a lot of stuff. In fact, to this day, I disagree with them all on a ton of stuff. But I could still probably pick up the telephone and call my mother and say, would you like to hear a good sighting story? Okay, that she'll talk to me. When I was in high school, we, uh, we got books at the library and gave each other like little book reports, that type of thing. Okay. Uh, when we, um, when Von Danigan's book came out there in the late 60s, I was in high school. Um, 
Uh, she dog-eared on the top of the pages. I dog-eared on the bottom. We destroyed that book. It was crazy. Uh, so it gives you an idea. There was the sighting exposure. I didn't have another one again until like I was uh, uh, 18, 19 years old. I was in Cameron Bay, Vietnam. Okay, I served in Vietnam. And uh, it was Christmas Eve, about 11, 11, eh, about 11 o'clock, 1130. Um, a, a buddy of mine and I were going down to, the, we we're both ex-Catholics. We were going down to midnight mass for something to do, right? You know, And um, we were walking along and we see this thing streaking across the sky, okay? And, and then it stops. And my friend says, uh, jets don't stop. I said, yeah, and helicopters don't fly that fast. Um, I said, you know, I don't know what you know about this stuff. I said, I looked at him. I says, but, you know, that's what I think it is. going to start dancing around like a fairy. Gone, right? And neither one of us had our minds on midnight mass, okay? But those were the early sightings that I had. And I've had many more over the years. But it wasn't until I was dealing with the experiencers Mm -hmm. did a deeper memory come back to me of being mm -hmm. touched by these little guys with bulbous heads when I was about four or five years old. Wow. Okay. And um, in fact, I had to, I don't generally talk about this, but uh, when Linda and I were courting, I, I literally took her aside one, one Saturday morning and said, um, eh, before you get deep in a relationship with me, you should probably know it. I get touched by these guys rather regularly. So, you know, you know, I might wake up. I don't know where I am or I might wake up. I'm all bruised up or something, you know, and, um, and that was the context. Okay. But I don't really talk about the experiencer thing because I don't remember them for the most part. Okay. But, yeah. um, the, we, but we see the evidence of it. Okay. So I'll, I'll share something with you since you shared that with me. Um, when I was a kid, I was sleepwalking. Um, we don't, I've, I was found one day, like, on the stairs of my house. One time I went all the way down to the basement and had a conversation with someone. And one day I was sleepwalking and I thought I could fly and I jumped off the stairs. So, so I know something was up. I don't know what it was. I know that I told my family some really odd things when I was a kid that I'm not really like super public about. I don't know if I've told people about that yet, but um, yeah, so I, I'm with you with not remembering, not being sure I should. I've seen things too. Um, I had a very different response and someone told me it's probably a responsive recognition, which it sounds like you had too, by the way. Because your response was, hey, what's up? And that was kind of my response, right? Yeah. And for someone who's... Oh, this, is, this has happened at a couple of the conferences. Someone will come up to me and say, I know you from uh, uh, another place. <laughs> so I feel like there's there's stuff that gets buried, you no. know, in that... Oh, yeah. In the in the roper poll that um, for those who were not listening to our prior conversation, yeah, they they talked about there's probably a higher percentage of experiencers that don't know that they're experiencers, and then things just kind of trigger the memory. Let me give you a scale of how big it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, doing all the statistics we do. Okay, 
um, I kept trying to find a metric for figuring out how many people at least see the, maybe see these things versus report these things. Now, the wisdom in the UFO community, when I first started really writing columns about it, see, I always had to kind of keep this stuff under my hat for years because I was, I, I was in the military, two di different services in the military had a very high clearance and you just didn't want to show them anything that made it, made you look like you're a little, a uh, little loose or uh, stupid or something um, or a risk to security. And then I, ended up in the, in the defense industry right out of that. So I've been kind of like under the, 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 the strictures of a clearance since the early 70s, right up until 2011, 2012 timeframe when I retired, okay? 2013, I began writing a newspaper, weekly newspaper column about UFOs. Didn't mean I wasn't well read on the topic, it just meant I didn't talk about it, okay? And... Um, so that was kind of the deal. I, I was very up on the topic because I was very sensitive to things. And I read I, I read things about uh, experiencers um, when I was doing the column. I got to interview a lot of people, okay? And um, I, I've had at least three people that I've interviewed, women, uh, that not associated with any of the others, you know, would tell me, uh, yeah, um, they had me a number of years ago, and they had me last year or something like that, and they introduced me to my hybrid children, you know, that kind of thing, you know, and going, whoa, you know, so it, it, it's been a very interesting topic, and what I'm really waiting for is some dude, some guy, to get out there with you know 23andMe, Ancestry.com, something like that, do his do his uh, uh, DNA thing, and then find out he's got 30 ch children that he's never heard of. Okay, I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting well, I'm, for that. Honestly, I don't know. I wonder. I I I think that the purpose of hybrid children may not be what people think it is. I actually think there's two purposes. Well, maybe three. Uh, I'll tell you if you want to know what the, what it is, but I don't think that they very frequently will be on this planet. Do you, no, I doubt that too. Um, do you want my theory on it? Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay. When they, um, it's not so much a theory. I, I have kind of inside information. <laughs> Sorry. Mm -hmm. um, uh, when they were mastering the ability to fa fly faster, you know, fly around time, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Okay, so get from here to there instead of thousands of light years shorter time. Um, they have to jump into a sub, sub realm, and they one of the and the grays particularly are all connected. They're kind of like ants; they're all connected to each other. So the team that was in that ship that quite literally jumped into the sub realm that would be considered like a Buddha field of like emptiness, uh, Nirvana, that type of thing. Um, suddenly the whole race with the experience of those spacefarers became enlightened just by looking upon emptiness, as they say in the Buddhist trade. And I was in a Buddhist monastery for seven years and I've talked to a lot of lamas and um the deal is we should pity them because their race was so 
left brain so analytical that they didn't know how to cope with it. They didn't have the right brain qualities to sort of balance this out. Okay. And that was the issue. And they should be pitied. And if they're trying to do anything with the hybrids other than, you know, customizing some folks for certain kinds of environments on other off world is, you know, workers or whatever. Um, but the ones that are kind of customized to them, the idea is, is that they're hoping maybe they, some of these hybrids can kind of explain things to them because they don't have the same emotions we do. It's it's funny that you should say that. Emotions, I could go into a whole other thing about that, about we should not attribute human traits to another species and emotions. They're just not going to have the same brain. But anywho, I think also hybrids are for, for messaging, not for necessarily um, just helping them to understand, but I think they're creating them in part so that they can talk to us because they if they can find a hybrid that's not too scary looking if they can get it right and find one that can communicate verbally they have a messenger a liaison an interpreter right and they don't have right. to use the telepathic thing yeah because Someone, we respond better to conversation face-to-face -face conversation versus voices right. in our head yeah we also respond better to children we are not as likely to shoot children. Thank you. <laughs> I would say, except for the really unstable people, which, you know, I won't go into all of that. Let's not go there. Okay. No, but my point is, I think that that might be another reason they would do this project. In addition to the obvious one where they're clearly repopulating another planet, <laughs> you know, like everyone says that, you yeah. know, they they get shown the other planet, they get taken sometimes to this other planet. So, um, I think, you know, there's more than one thing going on. I do think some of the experiences that people have are really experiments because I'm reading, I read, you know, communion and it's, it's, he said it himself with Lee Schreiber, it was like an experiment. So not all of those experiences have to do with this hybridization thing, but I do think there's a lot going on with that. And I think one of the things is they're making liaisons i would agree i would agree wholeheartedly mm -hmm. but i i that's kind of at the end of where my experience in in position mm -hmm. is is i i i don't know um i'm i'm loaded with screen memories i i do know that i had a therapist hypnotize me about 20 years ago and um she was never the same after she did mm -hmm. I, yeah so that's one of the things that i I'm hesitant to do. Um, in fact, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I'm hesitant to hypnotize because I want to have, the, if anything is there to remember other than the things that are, I clearly remember as an adult, like an orb and a UAP and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, which, like I said, I reacted the same way you did. Oh, hi. You know, not, not scared, not shocked. But anywho, if anything like that is there, then... I don't want to use hypnotists um, because there's so much chance, you know, with that. If you go to the wrong person, any little bit of suggestion or even just wanting something to be true can can influence that, you know, some contaminated. Yeah. Yeah. So I really don't want to learn that way. So the funny story is I just tweeted about this today. I bought a perfume from a company that claimed to get the scent of a, of a 
abduction from experiencers and I put it on today because it came today in the mail and I wanted to see if anything would be triggered. <laughs> That's my story. It did not work by the way. Okay. Yeah, there's a, a perfume. I swear. Okay, sorry. It's okay, numbers. Let me give you a number. Um, we saw a number in July of 2017 from Fox Pick the old Fox Pictures. Okay, and they were doing that movie that it was a horror movie set against the Phoenix Lights. Okay, kind of implied that these teenagers got abducted and taken away. Okay, but uh, they did a poll that went along with it at the time. And it, it came out like most of the other polls at that era, uh, you know, 40% are, or I'm sorry, 36% are believers, 42% are on the fence, 70% think it's all crap. Okay. Although those numbers are changing radically right now. Um, and, uh, but they asked a question that had not been asked before in any of the polls. Have you seen a UFO? And they said 16.74% said they, of adult Americans say they did based on their poll. Well, it was that was an awfully weird metric, and I didn't have anything to confirm it with or back it up. Okay. Two years later, Gallup poll does it, and they asked that question as well. And they came back with a, a, a 16 point something number. So I said, okay, I've got a measurable metric now. So uh, we were talking, uh, here, I got the numbers right here for you. Okay, the population, and we, we centered this up on, uh, on, since we did a 20-year study, we centered this up on, uh, on our numbers. Uh, so it was uh, 258 million, there's over 330 million people in the United States. 258 million is that 76% of the population are the adult Americans. Okay, 18 plus up to death, okay? And we cranked that 16% against it, and it came up with 43, roughly 43 million people. That's, that's 16 to 20% of the adult population have ha potentially have this PTSD thing of just seeing one, if not having been touched by one. Right. And let's look at that a little bit more. So that's just the United States. When yeah. we know this is every single country, it's amazing how much bigger that number would get. Yeah. We know, we know children see them and they aren't counted in that obviously because nope. you know, for what, tons of children have come forward telling their parents that they've seen those little people in their room, so on and so <laughs> forth. Um, and then also that's just the people who are willing to admit it or the people who remembered, because obviously there's a huge trend where people don't remember. They just block well, it out. Most of us have these screen memories, you know, right. Right. Um, there's, well, you also got the other thing. Um, you know, we've got there's if you go out on the internet, look up reptilians, and they always show you some picture of some some big muscular thing. It looks like he needs a case of prune juice in the worst way. Mm. You know, it kind of look right. But the people I've interviewed who have had direct contact with them say they're soft spoken, they're gentle, they have a sense of humor, and they're enlightened. Okay, so 
the thing that goes with that. They have the ability, some of the reptilian species have the telepathic ability to project a, uh, a glamour of sorts. They can appear to be human. Okay, fine. Yeah, there are people in tabloids saying that crap for years. Okay, yeah. Okay, fine. But children at an age of innocence under seven, typically in the four to six years of age, don't see it. They see through it. Uh, and people on certain kind of antipsychotic drugs can see it. So you're standing in the supermarket line. Two nice women standing there in the supermarket line. And then the lady comes up behind you with a supermarket cart. And she's got a four or five years old. And the five-year-old points up at one of the ladies and says, Hey, Mom, look, a dinosaur. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so obviously it's our responsibility at that point to make a decision because I will tell you that another encounter I had. Well, the response ends up coming back was, oh, right. what a cute naturally, I mean, nice child you have, you know. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> when, one of my encounters, I was in a car with um, some children, um, and I didn't see this object, but they said, hey, Miss Deb, there's something in the sky. Um it looks like a plane and it's not moving. I think the pilot fell asleep and it freaked like I, all the, all the goosebumps. I was <laughs> like, cause I knew right away what that meant. Um, and they're like, it's weird. It doesn't look quite right. And it's not moving. <laughs> and so we went to go park because we were almost where we were going to be and went to look at where this was and like, oh, it's gone now. It's gone. But it was there. I swear it was not moving right above the car. Right. And right around the time I started studying UFOs, which wasn't that long ago, I was kind of compelled to do so. Um, one of my own kids said, hey, mom, an airplane just flew over the street. So, yeah. We're going to talk about your statistics and how they please, personally... Please, Ask me whatever. Anything yeah. short of my ATM pin and classified stuff I had from the Navy, I, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll answer whatever you Oh, yeah. I'm not going to make you do that. But I will tell you um, that one of the things is obviously that per people are probably coming to you with a personal attachment to some of the statistics you're bringing forward. And I don't mind um, bringing up my own as a guinea pig for this, but one of the states that you mentioned, the top five counties were the counties that I lived in with the top one being the one that I had most of my childhood in. Then okay. the one that, that I lived in, the one that I worked in, the one that I lived in, and the one that I worked in. All five of the top ones are following me. They're following me. The UFOs are following me. <laughs> okay. okay. Got in it. Fact, um, I even told my state chapter of MUFON about this and presented your chart for our state to them on their Facebook page. And I said, I wasn't kidding, guys. All of the counties that are the top five in my state and, and like the, the one that I was in the longest was the top. Yeah. The UFOs are following me. So do people come to you like with that? approach like your statistics really told me something yeah i um, hear it all the time i really right. do okay so this doesn't surprise I'm scared you. the snot out of some people too you know so right like and uh, then 
like I, I wrote this down. Um, I'll give you, um, you know, when the white book was, when the white book first came out, um, there was a coffee shop called the cafe cabal in Binghamton, New York, where I lived at the time and I retired and I, Linda and I worked on this book for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And when it came out in print, we left the copy in the coffee shop with the permission of the baristas and everything. And we left it over And this coffee shop, had a couch and had a coffee table there at one, at one side, you know, for a small group, we left it out there. And the baristas were always good about leaving it open. Okay. And, um, one day I was sitting there having a cup of coffee and I was watching over there and these people came in uh, and they're in their late twenties, early thirties and the girls mm. looking through it. Two of their boyfriends come back with their coffee and they're looking at this. That, that, that can't be legit. Those can't be real. That, that, the size of those numbers, that can't be real. You know? Right. But again, everybody's been programmed with the idea that there's no such thing or they can't get here from there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But go ahead, shoot with your questions, please. Oh yeah. So, so I'm going to just tell you going back to like how this is personal for me, one of the uh, top 36 counties in the whole country was where I was born. Okay. <laughs> um, one of the top 121 includes, you know, where I spent most of my life and was the top one for my state um, of the top 130. It was where I work and was one of your top five for my state. <laughs> You know, and then another one was the top five for my state. So I, both big places that I worked. Um, actually, I should say oh, three of the top five are places that I worked because I okay. technically lived in one and worked in one too. Um, of the top 212 municipals that you listed, um, one of the top 60, I won't say which one, is where I lived and worked. So you get the idea. Like, I was like, what? I'm on all of these. What's going on? on? You lived in all the hot spots. You know? <laughs> yeah, and I really appreciated, for those who haven't really looked into the pink book in careful detail, there is a breakdown about the longitude and latitude issue, the misunderstanding about the UFO highways, um, the actual facts are in there. I don't know if you want to touch on that briefly, because I know people really go into this. This is the hot spot. This is the hot spot. And, and I and I really appreciated that you broke down where the true okay. issues two, were. Okay, two issues. One, we were working on the the, the original, the, fir the first edition of the data book, okay? Right. Uh, we, we call it the white book. It was 2001 through 2015 data. And it was in 2016 we were building it. It took us 18 months. Uh, we didn't know what we were doing. Okay. Uh, the stuff that we did took us almost 2000 hours back at that time. Uh, I did the pink book in under 800 hours. Okay. By myself. <laughs> okay. So it was, it, we knew we know how to do it. All right. Um, the goofy thing with um, the book was that people ask the question again, please. I'm getting old. Yeah, so the thing was that people misunderstood about hotspots oh, and UFO highways. Yeah, there's two things, okay. Um, that book came out, the UFO highway, okay, about the 37th parallel, okay. And people were calling me up because I wrote the newspaper column for the Syracuse New Times every week, you know, and they said, well, what, what do you think about that? And I said, I really don't have time to look at it, you know, and we didn't have that longitude in our database at the time. But I, when I, I got on the, 
on Google and I looked at where the 37th parallel and where, where I went through and Linda and I kind of just looked at each other and it says, nah, it's Southern States. It's, it, 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 there's a lot of really, really not much happening counties going all the way across the county, okay, across the country. Um, so that was our attitude in late 2016 after this book had come out. We couldn't really comment. And then um, in 2018, as I was doing in, uh, some updates in our personal, you know, in the database, but not making a book yet, uh, we added latitude and longitude for that year's worth of uh, sightings. And right off the bat, it came out that, you know, 37 parallel wasn't even close, right? And of course, people were saying to me, they said, well, well but they got psychic events. I said, uh, do a Google search, okay? You do any kind of web search for and use the same criteria for each one. And that is like how many, um, uh, not cattle mutilations, how many livestock mutilations in that state. Every state has them. We have a perception it's Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, that type of thing. But every state has livestock mutilations. It's a very underreported story. The other thing, is that uh, they said, well, but there's psychic stuff going on there. And I said, do your search on that topic matter for your state and you will find. I had an intern do it for me and sat there and did this one search string on all 50 states and every one of them had uh, the spooky prison, the spooky um, ex-mental hospital. You couldn't swing a cat and not hit a, graves, a graveyard that would be overly haunted, okay? It was all there, okay? So the point was, and they said, well, what about all their sightings? I said, they cherry picked them as far as I was concerned. They cherry picked them. They just happened to be around the 37th parallel. And there were 10 other parallels. They had uh, 10, 10 or 12 other parallels that had far more sightings than they did. Now, I did give some credence to the 32nd parallel because uh, they do have some uh, uh, high numbers there. But they even beat out the uh, 37th parallel, so. Yeah, I think you had 40th and 33rd at the top. Yeah, yeah. The 40th, see, that was what my assumption was back um, when we were working on the white book was uh, Linda and I were talking. He says, you know, no, I think it's going to be up through the industrial Great Lakes region, you know, across the country to Washington State. I'm like, yeah, I think it's going to be like that, you know, and it turned out to be exactly that. But that was just a gut because of where we, what we'd already seen while we were working, you know. Right. And, and you um, had said what some of these reasons were. I'm trying to find the, the exact language that I've written down for this. I have so many things for you. But um, there are some telling reasons that these probably were increased. One being, you know, next to water, um, the environment itself, Um and those were some really interesting points. Um, well, can, can I can I go there for a moment? Yes, please. Uh, let me explain. Um, we had we identified, you know, everybody, and you know, the last couple of days I put these charts up and things like this for people, you know, and I got people saying, "Oh, did you check it against population density?" You know, I don't have to. Okay, I don't have to. Okay, we've determined between the two books. We determined the population. Yes, it's a driver. It's a knee jerk. Everybody says population, but it is not the be all and end all. Okay. T uh, temperate weather is a major driver. Leisure time is a major driver. Hours of darkness is a major driver. 
the leisure time window between about seven and six o'clock to about 1130 and with the peak of it being between 830 and 1030 at night represents 75, 68 to 75% of the sightings in a single day. And the other 16 hours a day from one o'clock in the morning to about 430 in the afternoon represent the other 25 to 28%. Okay, most sightings are at night. Now, when people say to me, oh, Cheryl, you know, it's the major cities. I said, I've got a couple of proofs of that. We took like a, here in Ohio, I took Cuyahoga County, which is essentially regional Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And I show a chart across the hours of the day across the top. Mm -hmm. And I did it by zip, the zip codes in the, in the county. Okay. And Downtown Cleveland zip codes got sightings all across the hours of the day. And mm -hmm. hey, that's where all the sightings are, people say. No. Sightings are out in the bedroom communities, the suburbs, the extended mm -hmm. uh, extended bedroom communities, the non-incorporated communities further out, and the rural communities within the county. Okay. And when you add up just their numbers by themselves during that six o'clock to 1130 window at night, it had added up the more sightings during the same time period downtown. Okay. And we found right. this to be, we found this curve to be roughly true just about every place. Right. And you made a note that sometimes there's a little bit of a spike in areas where there's more agriculture and you would expect people to be outside the morning, the morning bumps. Um, right. Mm -hmm. certain, certain places, I'll give an example. Um, I was doing a talk in, uh, in, at the Ozarks conference, and I couldn't explain. There's a bump at 5 o'clock in the morning, okay? And a lot of people beating traffic. They're going, getting ready to go in early in the morning. They might be taking, getting the snow off the car, taking the dog for that first walk in the morning, going out for the first smoke and taking the dog out, that kind of thing. And at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning, we could explain that. And there's an immediate dip during morning drive time, seven to nine in the morning, it, it bottoms out. Okay. But in Arkansas, there was this bump at three o'clock in the morning. And I said, I told the audience, I don't know what that is. It doesn't sync up with factory shift times, things like that. It might in some places, but for the most part, it doesn't. We don't have that same kind of manufacturing community we used to have. And I had 12 guys come up to me and they were all wearing like coveralls and jeans, that kind of thing. And they said, we're all chicken farmers. And we major in chicken farming in here in Arkansas. I said, okay. And he says, well, that's when we in our farms prep our birds to go to market. We're loading trucks with chickens at that time. I said, you're kidding me. He said, no, we're outside. We see everything. You know, so that's the thing. You go to, you go to downtown Las Vegas. Okay. It holds pretty much the same curve, except there's a bump at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and 4 o'clock. Well, I sent that shirt out to an investigator friend of mine out there, and he said, oh, Cheryl, that's when the show, uh, the shows and the, uh, the, uh, the casinos let out. You know, so it's the, some of these measurements are as much about human activity as they are to UFOs. You have to be outside to see them. Now, we noticed, give me an example, we did a thing with the, um, um, the days of the week. Okay, because people were asking me with the first book, oh, did you check it against Wednesday? It's supposed to be Wednesday. John Keel said it was. Well, John only had and my tip of the hat to him because it's a statistical book, and we're standing on his shoulders here. But the deal is he only had about a thousand sightings on punch cards. Okay. 
and they were pretty much, from what I was able to figure out from some research, they were all pretty much skewed to the south and to the southwest. That makes a difference. We found that same skewing with National UFO Reporting Center. And you put MUFON and New Fork data together, and you get a more balanced picture. Right now, you see a lot of people in the press running stories, hey, Washington State's the number one state for UFO sightings. Uh, no, it's California. Florida and Texas in that order, you know, but if you just use one database, you're not getting the complete picture and New Fork is 60% of the data, MUFON's 49%. I've got a mathematical model. So the deal is, uh, that's a big deal. Uh, the, the idea of everything from temperate weather, northern states, you get a peak during the summer months of June, July, August, and it starts trailing off in the fall. In New England, that fall off is a little slower because of leaf season. Um, move down to the middle level states, uh, Virginia, Maryland, all the way across the country, and that peak comes down, and all the rest of the rest of the year numbers come up. And Linda discovered this, and uh, and then if you go into deep deep south states, in the deep south of Texas or Florida or Georgia, you'll notice that there's a dip in the summer months. It's too hot to be outside. I lived in the South for a while, okay? So it, it is about human activity as much as anything else. Some people say, well, there's plenty of sightings in the daytime. Well, go to Alaska. During their summer months, their, their sightings are in the toilet because it's white nights. It's I lived in high latitude like that a couple of, a couple of different times. I don't think I could do it. That, uh, yeah, well, I, I sent a copy of this up to a, uh, a MUFON investigator up there and she backed me up on it, you know, so. Right. Um, and then there's this other driver we discovered with the pink book being um, ac observer access to broadband. We're finding out that a lot of Western rural states with very little broadband or some of the more developed states with very poor counties with underdeveloped broadband, uh, we have less sightings there when the rest of the state has a lot. Right. Okay. And we notice that. Now, the other thing that we talk about is the influencers. Because I know I heard somebody, heard somebody out there in the audience say, well, what about water? Okay. What, not every state touches major bodies of water. Okay. Mm -hmm. Around the Great Lakes. Uh, I found this out after the White Book came up. I was on a radio show one night. And I had the book laying out in my lap during a commercial break. And that's the first time that I noticed my mm -hmm. census chart. Many thousands of sightings on the states that touched the Great Lakes moved two states away and it was in the low hundreds. Okay. Mm -hmm. That gave us the clue about the idea of, of, um, access to broadband, that type of thing, and also bodies of water. So proximity to large bodies of water. And then the next two, uh, Tom Conwell, my colleague, uh, researcher, paranormal and UFO researcher in upstate New York, Thomas Conwell, um, he discovered, taking our data and went back and, um, you know, he had, this, he had this wall and he put a big, huge map up on the wall. Mm -hmm. This big top hat pins into it, destroyed the wall. <laughs> He's putting all these packs into the thing. But uh, proximity to toxic ecosystems, proximity to geological fault lines. They are really interested in our dead mining towns, our strip mine towns, our uh, burning coal mines, our dead oil fields, dead gas fields, anything brown fields, heavily polluted lakes, heavily polluted rivers. I mean, we're talking the, the um, uh, toxic cleanup level of 
heavily polluted, you know, type of thing. Um, they're very interested in our fault lines. Um, they started having earthquakes down in South Carolina a couple of months ago. Guess what? Sightings spiked. Okay. Yeah. Um, then high visibility media reports. Um, what that is, is say you have a, a flap sighting of some sort. Okay. And it's mm -hmm. reported widely in the paper regionally. Okay. Um, over the next couple of days, someplace like New Fork or MUFON will get a whole bunch of reports, but they're retro reports. People say, oh, that's where I can report the one I had. Maybe I should report that one from two months ago or two years ago. Mm -hmm. And we, we actually went out there and measured that against known flap dates and then tracked the same state or county and saw retro posts going in in, in the days and weeks afterwards. And then there's this generational effect. Maricopa County, uh, Arizona, which is uh, Phoenix, essentially, and Los Angeles County. Now, a lot of people think Los Angeles, and they automatically leap to overlit light pollution downtown Los Angeles. Okay. Mm -hmm. Los Angeles County is a big place, and it is more than just downtown LA. And if you get up in the hills or you get out in the burbs, you don't have the level of light pollution that you have in downtown LA. Okay, so downtown LA, or I'm sorry, Los Angeles County has more sightings as a county than 36 individual states, I'm sorry, 39 individual states, and Maricopa County, Arizona, Phoenix area, has more sightings reports than 36 individual states by themselves. So this is my thought, <clears throat> a few things. So we can see, obviously, I agree, the study of UFOs involves the study of people. And what we've learned just from some of the things that you've mentioned is, A, if you want to see UFOs, you got to just be willing to go outside, right? It's pretty obvious, right? People put, your plane in air, put your phone in airplane mode and go out there. And oh, by the way, okay, people said, I said the leisure time. I was out with George Knapp on Coast to Coast just before the pink book came out, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, he called me up because the, remember that the sightings all tanked by, by 2017. From 2013 to 2017, they were going down by 30% a year. I was measuring them. Mm -hmm. And then I, I took 2019 off to work on other projects because there was not much going on, nothing to write about. Mm -hmm. And then um, I get a call from George Knapp in, in um, uh, late February, early March 2020, just before we went into lockdown. And he said, my phones are falling off the hook. Other people like me are getting phones off, ringing off the hook. And I said, okay, let me check something. So uh, I, like I said, I have a mathematical model. I went out to the National UFO Reporting Center, pulled January and February 2020, okay? Pulled those numbers. And don't, no breakdown, just the bottom number, stuck it in the model, and the end of the year, actually, I gave him a prediction. I came back. I said, we're going to be within 2%, and we're probably going to have the best year since 2012 or 2014. Mm -hmm. And we did. We, it was the best. It was a, it was a, a 2020 ended up being a year that looked like 2012. Now, one last thing. People called into Coast to Coast and said, well, wait a minute. We're getting ready to go into some kind of lockdown with this COVID thing. You know, that's going to be your best national laboratory. You know, people are going to have leisure time of the wazoo. March and April went through the roof. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so just going outside, really simple, right? What are we doing? doing? We're going out on the back deck, having a drink, having a smoke, watching watching the stars. I know. Hey, it's, what's that? You know, it's really simple, and you everyone thinks there's going to have to be something mystical or whatever. I don't think so. I think this is happening so often that if people are just looking up, <laughs> you know, like that's all, and then and then the willingness to report, which is I think why that general generational effect is happening. People are like, you know, my grandpa talks about this. There's nothing Thank you. wrong with talking about it. Thank you. That's exactly what it is. And right. uh, grandpa told us about the Battle of L.A. If we look up, we'll see it. Our, right. our uh, mom and dad told us about the Phoenix Lights. If we look up, we'll see it, you know. Right. So um, there's a little bit. It's again, it's turn off the phone or put it on airplane mode or just leave it in on the dresser and go out and take in, take in nature. And if you talk to the CE5 people, hey, clear your head a little bit and say, hey, come show me yourself. You know, they will. They do. Yeah. I saw an orb after that. I tried that myself. My mistake was doing it by myself, though. I was probably not supposed to do that. But uh, I, I, my, in 2012, this is before I wrote my column, I was working for a different newspaper. I was in the technical department. Our department made the plates and we were responsible for keeping the electronics running. I got, I would get home around as soon as they get done running at 700 ton press with the morning edition. We're all home by three, maybe two, uh, two 30s early, um, typically by three, three 30. Okay. So I parked the car in the garage. I closed the garage door and I would stand there in the driveway, look over my neighbor's fence. And if it was a clear night, we could see there was a big dipper just parked out there. Great stars in the sky, big dipper out there. And I would usually just sit there and do like a, a, a standing meditation, just kind of breathe a little bit, get the get the stress of the night out before I go in the house. Okay. And I was standing there doing this, and I start hearing this humming pulsing sound type of thing. And I'm like, what the heck? And I look up and the stars are blotting out, and it's 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 got a v shape to it and when it got past me it was a triangle the thing had to be flying at a thousand maybe 1500 feet it was probably two or three stories deep a football maybe a little bit longer than a football field long had the i didn't realize that that was the classic look with the red light on the bottom the three light things on the back and this thing just just leisurely flew over going off to the northwest i was terrified i couldn't make a report I, oh my god i can't report this i was still functioning on that whole idea i can't tell anybody what i saw but i hid it in my journal sketched it all everything months later i'm writing my news uh, I, almost eight months later i'm writing a newspaper column and i looked up that date and son of a gun a nurse was coming off ship, a shift over on another hill. And Sy Syracuse is sort of like Rome. It's got a couple of different hills. And over in there was Krauss Hospital. A nurse was coming off shift. She saw this thing over on the west side of Syracuse, which is where I was. And going, oh, my goodness. you know. So I ended up writing a newspaper story about it. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting is how many people have seen one of those that i've spoken to and i'm like what is it about the triangle that i keep talking to someone who's seen one like like it's just like a coincidental thing i don't think i've ever spoken to anyone who's seen a saucer yet but i've spoken to many people who have seen triangles and i was just reading lear's 
uh, you know, not no, it was not Lear. It was Striver who talked about the triangle and how important that is to experiencers. And I'm like, what is going on with triangles? And like, I don't know what's going on there. All I've ever seen is um, the boomerang ones, kind of like the uh, um, Stephensville, Texas. Um, I've seen that twice. I saw it once when I was about 14. Mm. And then uh, about uh, three years ago, Linda and I were up at a friend of our, uh, a friend of my, my, my best friend from second, mm -hmm. second grade used to let us use this cottage up in the thousand islands. Mm -hmm. And we had just gotten unpacked and we were standing there and the bedroom faced St. Lawrence and looked over at Canada and it was dusk and the windows in this bedroom are, they put in glass that was the size of what you'd see in a storefront. Whoever did it, did it because they wanted a view. And we were standing there, and Linda looked across the river, and son of a gun, there was this this wed, this there was this boomerang shape, and the lights the, trailing along the bottom of it. And I, she nudged me, and I looked up, and I saw it, and I didn't have anything to write on. I grabbed a pen, and I literally drew it in the middle of my diabetic logbook <laughs> over top of all my numbers, and um, I, I put all this thing down there, and it was just an absolute, and it wasn't there for more than maybe. Um, 70 seconds 60 70 seconds that was it mm -hmm. we, we saw it and it came across into the state sign yeah but yeah these 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 boomerangs and the triangles are something interesting very interesting and oh, look what they had over in belgium back back in the early 80s you know they had that too so yeah other questions I, please i have so many so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out three ideas and these are some of my questions one, have you ever considered animating um, your statistics to show, for instance, the movements of these shapes in a given state? Um, I feel like if you could get someone to do that, you would actually be able to see something going on. Like, are they coming at the same time? The shapes, you know, to me, they represent possibly different entities possibly they're the same ones possibly you know, so a lot of people are like oh there's a war going on i don't know but i'm just saying like have you ever considered having someone animate so you could see how the shapes are interacting in a given state um the, the number crunching that we did to produce those charts you saw they were done by zip code okay mm -hmm. nobody's ever done zip code analysis till we did okay mm -hmm. And um, it revealed two things. One, you notice it was like the states looked like Swiss cheese. Mm -hmm. If you notice, they looked like Swiss cheese. Mm -hmm. You know, if you just do the county counties, it just looked, oh, yeah, well, okay, they're in all the counties. You know, but do it by zip code. It's, it's, it's singular. We needed, we needed statistically to find, uh, to do a finer resolution other than down to the little Berg level. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and when it came down to it, people are saying, well, I want to know about, you know, East Podunk versus West Podunk and versus Podunk Junction, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, 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 and investigators for years ignored the rural sightings, concentrating on the bigger city or population bases, because if you looked at just dots on a map, it looked like the rural counties had nothing. Turns out they have a significant amount of sightings. 
okay, particularly the ones that are in industrialized states and all that kind of thing, and have good broadband. But the thing is, you, if you just looked at the pure numbers, if, now if you start looking at it over time, that's something I really thought about animating. But um, uh, it would. I went to film school, and one of my concentrations was animation. Okay. And the tools they have right now are fantastic, but I would have to work with somebody who really has a handle on the uh, on the animation to generate the stuff the way they need it to be generated. I and, think um, nobody's. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I can't look, look. All the people that get interviewed for these TV shows, all these UFO TV shows, I have probably talked to upwards of twelve of these producers in the last mm -hmm. six years. And they never wanted to, they never want to use me. And Linda and I figured it out. Well, we're just a couple old ladies. We're in fact one producer had the nerve to come to us and wanted us to feed him the numbers that he was going to give to some 20-something who was going to host the show. And we told him to pound salt. Okay. And that's why I made a big deal of saying, hey, this whole all this research has been funded by right. the pensions of two old ladies. Right. I can just imagine though. Since obviously you know you have the charts already, you have the data already, what it would look like if you just took one year from the United States and then just started adding the shapes. By a, by a single shape or what? Like all the shapes. Like even if you pick just one day in the all of the United States, you know, just to, or one month, like just what it, that would look like, because I want to know if these shapes there's, are intera interacting. There's, there's 23 a day in the United States. Mm -hmm. There's days spike, but mm -hmm. the, the average is 23 to 29 a day. Okay, um, for the United States in a particular year. Um, some years are no. If you look at 365 days on a graph, which I've never shared, uh, like on on Twitter, I haven't shared those yet. Um, there are some that you see one spike in the middle where July is. July is always spiked on a lot of things. And there are years when July is not spiked. That mm -hmm. was telling me. See, I, I was easy to write it off that July was, oh, that's just people misidentifying fireworks. But there's something else going on because there are years when the spikes are not there on the, in the 4th of July time frame. I think it's because they're looking up. And if it's raining that July, they're not going to be looking up at the fireworks. They may get rescheduled. Well, they also show up. These guys show up at fireworks. Um, yeah. I've had people tell me that. Then a couple of years ago, uh, about two years ago, Linda and I like baseball. And uh, we had we had a little uh, farm team up our way uh, that was for one of the major leagues. And uh, we went to one of their doubleheaders that was going to have fireworks afterwards. And it was a 4th of July game. And, um, well, as soon as the game is over with and as soon as the fireworks is over with, there's the traffic jam from hell out there. So we just sat there with our with our sodas and just sat there and chat and watched the grounds guys cleaning up and everything. And Lin now remember, there's no fireworks at this point. Linda looks up and says, oh, my God. And there they were, two fireballs. And we watched them for a couple of minutes and then they go, <laughs> gone. Well, you know, this is this is one of those things that I ponder sometimes. If we somehow attract them um, to their annoyance, perhaps, and things like the fault lines attract them because of the sounds that are being made when they're shifting that we can't hear. But, you know, 
people talk about how animals respond to UAPs, mm -hmm. UFOs, mm -hmm. and then the infrasound. Infrasound, and right. And some people can actually hear the UFO coming and some cannot. So the same sound is made by, you know, earthquakes. And, you know. Okay, okay. It, it, there's electronic, there's electrical emanations as well. Okay, yeah. our frequency emanations. Um, my feeling from what Tom showed me, and him and I beat this out on the phone a couple of nights mm -hmm. uh, after he came up with this whole pollution thing and everything, and we both came to the conclusion, two conclusions. One, uh, they're protecting us. They're watching, mm -hmm. They're looking after us. They, they, they are quite literally the nanny squad. Okay. Um, they're monitoring how much we're wasting this planet, which every time you talk to Ray Hernandez, the people he's talked to, they, oh, E.T., they sent, they told us to uh, take care of our planet, you know. Duh. Okay, so there's that. And then there, I, I have people used to write me at the column, are they going to come down and eat us? No, we're too full of nasty chemicals. And two, um, are they going to invade us? And the invasion could have happened in April 1561 for God's sake. There was a Star Wars battle going on over Nuremberg, Germany and five years later over Basel, Switzerland two different weekends, right? You know, So uh, th there's somebody if you want to call it the Galactic Federation or whatever, somebody's looking out for us because we could have been literally um, the, our whole culture flattened generations ago, millennia ago. We, these things have been with us since biblical, pre-biblical times. There's a, there's a, there's a carving on an island in northern China that they estimate to be forty thousand years old. That's got a, a being on there that looks like he's wearing breathing apparatus. Okay, and NASA analyzed that one. Okay, I got that out of the Air Force 370 physics book from that was in, in circulation at the Air Force Academy from 1968 to 1972. I heard about that one. Yeah, yeah, fun stuff. Go ahead, more questions, please. So many. Um, okay, I'm gonna try to try to get them out because I have so many. Okay, why do you think 2012 was a spike? Do you have any idea? Did anyone come to you with an idea about why that was spiking? Okay, I was of the idea that because there was all this TV buildup in 2011. Oh, the Mayan calendar, all this stuff. And everybody was everybody was looking up. Everybody was programmed to look up and be outside. And, and we all thought that was going to be the aliens disclosure year that they were going to show themselves. You know, there was that whole flavor, you know, and I think that was part of it. But, okay, now that that's that's the view. Okay, the statistical side is is that we the UFO sightings go through a cycle of up and down, up mm -hmm. and down, up and down. And if you look at it over sixty years, which we which we plotted out in the pink book, it looks like a little snake going across the grass, up and down, up and down, up and down. It's about a five to eight year cycle. About we we say about a seven year cycle. It gives about five, six to seven, uh, six to eight year humps. Okay, up and down, up and down, up and down. And then as we get to two thousand one, big rollout of broadband in the major cities and their suburbs. Now mm -hmm. suddenly people have broadband to report this stuff instead right. of dial up. And that's why you notice the numbers go up from three to 600 a year, suddenly go up to 3,100 a year. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
and, and I was, I'm a retired IT project manager, so I, I know when the rollouts of this stuff happened, okay? So, um, and we tracked it along that, okay? And then if you look at the, the chart from 2001 to 2012 or so, there's two humps. There's the rise of, of between 2001 to about 2006, and that is an artifact of reporting. That is because more people are coming on. It's a, it's a flat curve. Okay, it's, it's flat, it's a ramp going up. And then it starts going, it goes up a little bit and goes back down. It goes up a little bit around 2010, 2012, 2013, 2014, and it starts falling off again. And that's where the cycle, I can stand back and look at a bar chart and say, well, there's the cycles. Okay. Right. And it's no. really funny because I took a look at one point um, before I, you know, read your book in depth. Um, and I look to see if the article coming out about ATIP affected reporting, and as far as I could tell, it did not. Um, I went to, you know, kind of see if some of the other things had affected reporting. As far as I could tell, it had not. Um, so it really did seem like something bigger would have happened. And, you know, you know, the idea of the Mayan calendar being part of it could potentially be it. You know, I don't know, but. But another thing that crossed my mind about your cycles is like, should I be looking up what is seven year light years away or like not light years, seven years of okay. travel? Okay. When, when, when the, when the sightings tanked 2016, 2017, 2017, they bottomed out. Okay. 2018, it appeared to be bottomed out, but you're just starting to see an uptick with MUFON. Very subtle, but it was there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I took 2019 off. I was telling everybody on the podcast, guys, I'll be back. Trust me. You know, oh, they, the Space Force chased them away. Oh, my God. You know, the, the, they ran out of grant money. Or we're going to blow ourselves to hell. I've heard everything. Okay. And I kept telling them, no, they're going to be back. But, you know, to, uh, 2019, uh, yeah, maybe. But by 2020, 21, we're, they're going to be back in space. Trust me. And they were. Okay. So that's 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 the predictive nature of statistics. If there's a trend, it, if it holds up, that's what it did, and that's what the statistics did. And that's what I was why I was wondering, you know, why is that cycle there? And like I like I said, should I be looking up what we could travel to that's seven years away? About you know, if, if it's but we, that but we don't know how they get here, so seven years away, it might not apply. I mean, the right. Greats took the Serpos guys 39 light years, but they did it in seven months. I know, okay. I actually tend to think it's a portal thing, and that many of them are, yeah, in ocean, obviously, yeah. obviously. But, but something you said though, um. Another reason why it might have been with 2012. Well, right now, people are calling me up or dropping me notes on, on Twitter or whatever and saying, hey, we've got sightings up the wazoo right now here in Washington State or whatever. Okay. Well, is it you've got sightings up the wazoo or did your local TV station and newspaper decide to start reporting them again? Okay. They haven't been reporting them since 68 for the most part. 
Okay, so there's that. They're loose. Some of these news directors are loosening up. I wish my news directors locally would loosen up a little bit. I mean, I'm the freaking Linda and I are the national freaking statistics experts, and they won't give us the time of day. We have sent them our book. We have sent them custom printouts of our state and our county right down to the freaking mailbox, and they that they're not interested. Okay, and it's a it's a darn shame because we're still living with that whole thing well the people who report these things are coops nuts and crackpots right you know and uh we've got to get academia over this stuff and uh, but, oh, but that's the a great one, that's a great segue. that's a great segue go ahead <laughs> okay in your book you were once told by a news director if it were a serious topic the government and universities would be studying it and as we know now rice Princeton, Harvard, and the governments, including NASA, have been public about, you know, doing the research and studying it. So what do you have to say to the person who said that to you? Yeah, well, yeah, um, uh, I have a, I have a middle finger uh, with his name on it, you know, so, but uh, there's, um, there's another flavor to that, too. If you think about it, um, we have a lot of people who are saying, you know, well, how could I, what, one thing the UFO community is upset about is that they're um, 2019 people came to me and said, you know, if Rubio gets his bill passed, you know, it, you girls are the only, only people who have ever done the statistics. You Blue Book didn't even do what you've done. You know, are, would you be willing to testify before Congress? And we both spent our careers as government contractors. You do your best not to have to testify for Congress. <laughs> and um, so we got thinking about it. And we said, yeah, we told guys like Steve Bassett like that. says, yeah, if, if, if called, we'll, we'll serve, you know. But then we got talking about it. And we said, think about it. Congressional hearings, if they do it like the citizen hearings that they did back in thirteen. You know, you know, it could be on C-SPAN or something like that. We would be on C-SPAN testifying before these congressmen and senators and guys, right? And now me as a, a, a I'm a relatively out trans person, but to some degree, there's a degree of, you know, I've managed to insulate myself a little bit and a little bit of isolation. And if I'm on C-SPAN, I'm going to be out of myself to the planet. Uh, I had to talk to a therapist about that, you know, um, uh, even though I was one of the early actors, I'm one of the six people who coined the term transgender. Okay, so I go back to being an activist back in the 70s and 80s. But we were sitting there talking about it. And I said, Linda, if they're going to have our book up there on our shelf, the first one we produced, Linda made the design the thing to make it look like a government report. It was subversive that way. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and that's exactly what it was. It looks, like, it looks like a government report. And we said, this time, let's do something different. And we decided to make the color, uh, the cover, 
bright fuchsia, so bright you could flag in an aircraft with it, you know. And the idea was we wanted we wanted everyone to know if they saw that book being thumbed through, two women produced it. In fact, we dedicated it to the woman who was responsible for freaking MUFON and New Fork and all that stuff, like starting the APRO in 1952, uh, uh, Coral Lorenz, you know. So, um that was a statement for womankind. You know, uh, we got treated very badly when the first book came out. Um, uh, people, those two old gay ladies, what do they know about field investigation? Oh, they're not field investigators. They don't have anything valid to say. Oh, their book's just full of numbers and charts. How boring. You know, where's your, where's your case studies? You know, um, we had to basically keep saying to people, hey, the book is our case study. This is... Yeah, it's so funny because I find individual case studies a little bit more boring because it's the same thing over and over. And I'd rather know about the patterns. <laughs> you know, I, I'd rather know what the patterns are. I would like to know the things like, you know, if you go out in the morning at three o'clock in a certain area, it might be because you're a chicken farmer looking up. You know, I want to know that, you know, and that's why I was saying the thing earlier about the animation, because I believe if, if someone dedicated the time to help you with that, you would learn something really important about what's going on, like like the movement, maybe. Okay, uh, if, if I can get a production company who's got those kinds of resources yeah. to, to, to play ball with me, that's, yeah. that's the deal right now. Mm -hmm. um, I have been turned down by three different, there was one with HBO and two other production companies just in the last couple of weeks. You know, they wanted me to audition. Uh, they said, why, why should we pick you? I says, we've got the bloody numbers. We've got the forensics here, guys. And, oh, no, no, we want a story. And, and, and we offered them a thing where I knew where all the hot spots are. Mm -hmm. You don't. No, what do they do? They go out and do the same documentary everybody else does. They go to Kecksburg. They go to Roswell. They go to Stephensville. You know, right. they go to Mount, uh, uh, Cape Girardi. You know, they go to the same low-hanging fruit, and nobody is interested in what's been happening in the last 20 years. That's why yeah. Lyndon is specialized in 21st century data. And what's interesting, if you read American Cosmic, it's actually said that some of that information is for these TV shows and documentaries inaccurate. Like one of the stories that was put out um, on a documentary from a MUFON report completely was altered for the sake of TV. So, I mean, it's, it's fun to watch those shows and stuff, but it's really not my preference. I have the Leonard Stringfield book back here for crash retrievals. That will be my main resource for finding out about crashes when I get to that. Like I've, I've put some stuff out there so far, which is a, quite a bit more than people realize. And I haven't even read that book yet. <laughs> Can I talk to you a minute about hotspots? Sure. Okay. Um, we're working on it. We're, I quite literally, um, did the, the front part of the book, um, with, you know, the cover pages and the inside of the book with the, you know, copyright information and all that, it's gotta be done a certain way. Mm -hmm. I literally did the versos, which is what those four or five pages are. I literally did them for the, the first 15 of the individual state books. I did them today. I did them this afternoon. Okay. Um, we're very close to releasing 
the final PDF to move uh, to um, Amazon for UFOs in Ohio, where to find them, and UFOs in Michigan, and where to find them. After that, it's uh, I got an I got a, a list of uh, another eight that we're going to do, right? I'm like, and we're going to do all fifty states, and we've already generated all the material. The thing is, we have to customize a couple of the things to the states and the covers are the slow part because if a book is a, more than about 10 pages bigger or more than a page or two bigger than the 10 pages that the cover is designed for the template, we have to use a completely different t uh, t uh, cover template. So we've got them all ranked by the size of their page counts. And there's some of them like eight of them all will use the same size. Four, four of them over here will use the same size. Ten over here will use the same size. So we're literally releasing them based on um, the the cover size that we're going to work with at any one time. But the books are electronically, they're all done. Uh, I'm just making a few tweaks here and there and making the versos up. I'm in the last stages. Okay. But, okay. I had to take a break. Okay. A couple of months ago with this stuff. And uh, I was waiting on Linda to give a final approval on the way I had formatted the book. We had a, literally copies of it laid out over here on our project table. Okay. And um, I, I needed her to go through it and, and agree where we're going to put things and whether or not something was going in or not, not going in. So I went after um, hotspots. I can tell you with authority, the idea of people think hotspots. I've had producer after producer come to me. They want to go to that spot where they could set up their film team and sit there for a week and expect to see something come in every night. Okay. The, the proverbial hotspot, you can set your clock by like it's a bus schedule or a train schedule. Okay. And there is this myth out there that there's a place like that. There isn't. Okay. Now, Number one, and people say, well, where's the hotspot? Do you want it by state? California, 21,000. Okay. Uh, Florida, you know, uh, 17,000. Uh, Texas, 11,000. Okay. So there's a state hotspot. No, no. Smaller. Oh, do you want it by county? Los Angeles County, Maricopa County. Okay. Oh, do you want it by something else? A zip code, whatever. Okay, fine. Okay. The, uh, the, the, if you want it by pure numbers alone, Zip code, get your pencils out, kids. Zip code 85001. Downtown Phoenix has more, had more in that zip code 13 and over 20 years, 13,070, not 13,000, 1,373. That's average of about 60 a year and about five or six a month. Now, if you're going to max out your credit card and rent a penthouse on downtown Phoenix and get your camera crew up there, hopefully you're looking in the right direction, um, you're going to burn out a credit card. Because five or six a month is not a good number to be waiting for these things. But that's the hottest place in the country at the, fine, at the very fine level. Now, as I went through the data over the last few years, here and there, especially between the two books, I had time to rainy afternoon, crawled through the data looking for things. I discovered there were one-day hotspots. An easy example, April 16, 2008, Indiana. State averages maybe about um, 
two or three sighting reports a week. I'm looking at, I looked at, I was looking at 2008, 365 days, bar chart across the page. Okay. And I'm looking at the 20 picked up with like 60. All right. Tapped on it and found out it was April 16th, 2018, or 2008. So I went back in, ran a reduction report and pulled it out. Quick look just at the states for that day, just that day. And it was all onesie twosies. Okay, which is usually the case. Except Indiana on that particular day had 25 of the 60. So we did another reduction report, pulled the data out, and found out that they had one hell of a day that day. Most of it was in two counties and about 12 municipalities. And it was a huge day. Well, this is what I call a one-day flap, okay? And um, the day-to-day -day charts for, say, uh, say, a county might have 25, 30 zip codes, okay, might be something like mostly empty grid, onesie twosies scattered all over, okay? The, what we discovered was that there are one-day hotspots, like that one day in Indiana. Any one state for 20 years has 7,303 days. Okay, 50 states is 146,060 days. Um, yeah, 146,060 days. Okay, I found a total of, and I'm going to say plus or minus 10 here. Okay, I found a total of 737 one-day hotspots with four or more. Because remember, most days, most places have nothing, okay, four or more. And three, onesie, twosies, threes, that was okay. Four was statistically significant. It really stuck out like a sore thumb. There are places there were fours. There are places that it's seven, places that are 19. One place had 200, you know, that kind of thing. Goofy stuff, okay? So I've identified these. And my next book, after we get this series of, 50 books out and a series of 29 shapes books, mm. individual shapes, like those maps you saw. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, uh, that's our next project. And then I'm going to be doing an overall analysis summary for the series. And I'm going to do a, uh, and I've got about half of it written, actually, uh, a um, hotspots book about these one day hotspots. Okay, I've got a bunch of interns right now, people who volunteered to help. I give them a particular date and a particular uh, a particular date and a particular state to search on uh, on a website in a very specific search string. And they go out and look them up and then they, they if they get any kind of newspaper coverage, I don't I don't want to hear about you know ancient aliens looking at it or or the UFO hunters looking at it. I want to know about it only if a, a newspaper or a local radio or a local TV station did a story about it. Okay, I'm only interested in the ones that got press, and they're looking them up for me. 
Okay, and I, I sent them, I, I got four or five people here who volunteered to do it, and they're all going to be in the acknowledgments of the book. But what we discovered is this 137 plus or minus 10 one-day hotspots are the goofy thing. And I went to a couple of producers. I said, look, I said, why don't we do a UFO roadshow? We go to these places you've never heard of and interview people every time have an advanced guy go there and run an ad in the paper and get them all in a hall, give them one of my presentations like you do at the, at the UFO conferences. And then we got our cameras here. We got an instant casting call for these people and we can get all the material we want here. And they blow me off. I've pitched five different producers with that idea. I think that if you set up a table in those different areas with a sign, a big sign that said, on this day, so many UFOs were seen right here. People would come and sit down to be filmed to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. And it would end up a lot of walls, you know. Well, and of course, what would happen is what we know happens is all the people who didn't report would probably come and talk to you because they'd be like, oh, this is really interesting. You knew about that. A lot of people don't think to report which is going to affect the statistics, as we said they earlier. Didn't know, or they didn't know where to report. Now, there's right. another little piece of science goes with this. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Bob Grevere, he, uh, he was at um, Rich Hoffman's event down in, uh, down in Alabama, uh, the CSU conference with a lot of academics and that type of thing. And they did this thing where a couple of academics had seen kind of what I, I work with, and they took a big map in the United States and they threw a couple darts at the wall. And wherever the dart landed, they went and found that place and went out and talked to people, interviewed people. And the UFO sighting reports are underreported. They came back. It's, it's huge. It's bigger than we say. And I tell people right now, uh, one in 250 people reports what they see. So if I tell you your state had 3,000 sightings uh, and divide that, over to, uh, divide that over 20 years, that would be what? Um, uh, let's, say, let's, say, let's say this. A state that's got 3,500, just have, have a calculator right here, uh, divided by 20 years, that would be an average of 175 a year. Okay, that's a, that's a state. Uh, that's that's uh, one of the Midwest states, someplace. Okay, now take that take that number, 175 a year. Doesn't sound like much. I've had newspaper readers. Oh, that doesn't sound like much. These might be extraterrestrial craft. You say that's not enough. Okay, times 250. Well, that makes it sound something that says, wow. We had forty-three possibility of forty-three thousand sightings. Right. I I actually want to make the point with you that it was also kind of mentioned in the book, even though you didn't say it quite this way. It only takes one, <laughs> really, out of all the bajillion and millions of sightings. It only takes one to make it worth exploring scientifically, and I don't understand the resistance on that. That, that was one of the reasons I did. A, I did. A, I've got one chart. I have this one th routine. I did a lot, of, a lot of podcasts and radio shows where I, I take people say, well, you got to take some of them off. The, the, the guy down at Staples was always saying, sure. Did you take out the kooks, nuts and crackpots? You know, and I said, how do I do that? You know, I can't. The, 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 when the first book came out, the, 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 the um, field investigators, oh, you got to vet them all. You know, 
how am I going to vet 121,000? How am I going to vet 160,000? Right? Okay, what we did was we can go ahead and say statistically, we're just not going to count some percentage. Okay, so I use this number instead of worrying about taking 30% off for the kooks, nuts, and crackpots, I threw 70% away. Dr. Valet says 80% is noise. MUFON says 80%, uh, 70% is noise. Linda and Cheryl, we sat down, came up with our own criteria, and came up with 68, 69%. We go with 70% is noise. Okay, so that leaves us 30%. 30% of 120 years, 167,632. Okay, amounts to about eighty three hundred a year. Okay, and for the, the a monthly average of about seven hundred a month for the two hundred and forty months of the twenty years, and about a hundred and sixty one a week and about twenty three a day. Okay, which we already knew. Well, we turned around and did it by percentage for. for we threw we did one chart with we threw 99% of the sightings away. 1%. 1% for 20 years was 1,676 sightings. Yeah. Okay. And then it, when we take it down, it couldn't do a monthly very well, but it basically came down to seven a week in the United States every week for the 1,040 weeks of 20 years. Now that's seven starships a week visiting the United States every week for, you know, 20 years. Right. And that, and again, it only needs to be one, one time ever, you know, for it to be worth studying. Biblical event. Right. Yeah. yeah. I know just one. And then to emphasize again, that it's just the United States. Every time I dive into other countries, I find a ton of stuff. And some of the more interesting channels, I can't even understand what they're saying, but I really appreciate their videos. <laughs> like, like some of the videos coming out of Mexico are tremendous. Like people are not paying attention. And I'm not even talking about Musan's work, who, of course, he works pretty hard. Um, but I'm talking about like the, these uh, sky watchers. So people should be paying attention to that, too, which is actually. I just, I just yeah. had I just had a Silicon Valley firm reach out to me. Now, I've had, since the first book came out, we have probably about seven or eight requests a year. Oh, give us our, give us your database. You know, we can do something better than you did, you know, that type of thing. And basically, they're patting us on the head, you dumb bunnies. You know, uh, you know what do you women know that we can't do, you know? And um, so we haven't given our database to anybody. There's only one guy on the planet that got the first version of the database, and he's an astronomer, retired astronomer from Sonoma University. Okay, because he gave us the suggestion of putting county data in the database. Mm -hmm. The county, the data, county data wasn't in the databases at Mo at Newfork, and it was very badly in the database at Mufon. Most of the time, it was wrong. We supplemented it. We added county data. Then we added zip code. Then we added FIPS codes. Then we added lat longitude. So um, our database is significantly better than the than the raw data we pulled. But this firm came to me and said they have they have acquired the databases from databases all over the world, and they say they have four hundred thousand sightings, and they want to consult with me and Linda on how to analyze it. That's very exciting. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> 
we're taking a phone call with him on Friday, so we'll see how this works out. And and tip me off on some ideas for Africa because I'm intimidated by Africa. I've I've gone into Europe quite a bit. Uh, If you look at the UFO connector, you'll see I go into the other countries, but I'm intimidated by Africa because it's so big and there's so many countries. So I haven't gone into Africa as much. Of course, South Africa, you know, things like that. But um, I wanted to uh, comment. One of the things that I did when I first started researching this was I would sit down and try to connect different shapes with different entities. I thought that was statistically interesting. And I know you're really busy with projects but i wonder like i would have appreciated if someone had like a entity sighting database i would appreciate that well if if somebody if somebody has the um literally if somebody has the uh, i get requests all the time did you try it against this did you try it against that you know and just because you want a statistic doesn't mean it exists Mm -hmm. you know um uh in fact probably the 25 or 30 suggestions people have given me just weren't practical. Most of them weren't practical. Okay. Uh, one guy wanted me to run the whole 20 years against sunspots, you know, and I couldn't get my hands on the data. It, it's out there, but I didn't have the resource to get at it. Okay. Um, someone did ask me to do, do it against moon phases. Now that I'm doing because I was able to acquire the moon phase stuff for for the past 20 years without any trouble. And I've got a copy of the database in a, in a different folder than I'm, I tinker at when I, when I, I'm waiting to go to a doctor's appointment or something, you know, um, if you have the information about what races have that particular model of UFO, if somebody has that information, Publish or something like this. Uh, let me know what it is because I can, I can, I can put it into a field in the database, and we can correlate this thing and get numbers. You know, that would be so cool because that's what I was trying to do. I was watching everything that I could. But nobody could tell me what who's running, who's driving what. You know, exactly. I think it was in the beginning. Um, in fact, Linda, Linda, Linda says, in her opinion, the uh, the, the, the different types are literally representatives like an Italian car looks a hell of a lot different than an American car or a British car, right. you know? Well, and I get that even they could all be the same species with different models. You know, they could be There's a lot that. of different things. Um, I get that it could all be the same planet with different species with different models. We don't know. But, you know, why not? Why couldn't it just be they all came from Mars, moved over here, live in the oceans? We don't know. But, my point is that it would be cool if they had some entity database and that that like not people hypothesizing, not like a literal, this is my report, this is what I saw, this is the object that was connected to it and looked for patterns there. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I don't know why no one's done that. Why has no one like uh, sat down and said every time someone sees a gray, they see a diamond. Every time someone sees a reptilian, they see a triangle. Every, you know, like I don't know. Nobody thought that before Linda and I came along. Nobody thought to add all this stuff up. Okay, they were sitting on a new fork and Mufon were sitting on a mountain of information, but nobody ever sat down and added it up. They're all focused on case studies and worrying about whether or not they could vet it or whether or not they could prove it's the real thing, whatever. 
And uh, hell, I even had New Fork reach out to me recently and say, would you be willing to give us a copy of our data bank that's got the lat longitude information? Well, <laughs> you know? see, that, see, that's what I mean. Like, I think people get too caught up on the trees instead of the forest. I'm more of a forest person. I can't, I, I'm very interested in different trees. And I'll spend some time on them, but I will not get stuck on one. I well, you know where Linda was coming from, and you'll have to interview her to get this, okay? Mm -hmm. But um, her flavor was coming from the idea that uh, she she worked for the Environmental Protection Agency, okay, for uh, 15 years. And they way, the, the way they did studies to found like Love Canal, they were looking, well, we know this kind of symptomology and these kinds of chemicals produce um, a leukemia in kids. Let's look for spikes of leukemia. And that's how they found Love Canal. Okay, uh, by doing these statistical studies for a certain thing, and um, the data was out there, and nobody had crunched it for that kind of thing, and that's not how they found uh, a lot of these super sites where a kid, all oh, the kids playing in the park that's on top of a, a dumping field for chemicals or something like this. So um, th th she came to me and said, she noticed that I was in my column, I was doing some statistics in New York state for something to write about. Remember writing a newspaper column sounds fun, but it's a thousand word term paper due every Thursday. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and you got to do it. And, and you get paid for it, you know, so that's, that was the problem. So Linda said, let's do this very large scale gross analysis to find out just how let's, we can't prove them. I can't tell you who's driving them. I can't tell you what they eat. I can't tell you where they're from, but we decided to measure the scale of the UFO phenomena. And nobody, academia doesn't believe it. Hell, academia didn't believe in meteors in the 19th century, for God's sakes. For God, no rocks don't come from the sky, you fool. You know, that was their attitude. Right. And I feel like well, that is something people are starting to understand. In addition to your rather large book, I wish people could see me holding it up, right? Uh, the, the fact that... Two and a half pounds. Two and a half pounds. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Uh, we're we're credited we're credited with one assault. So, <laughs> so, 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 somebody hit their husband over the head with it. Was it Linda Thompson? No, no, no. Okay, because she made a joke about throwing another book that is a big textbook. So <laughs> I was wondering. Um, so yeah, in addition to that, we hear from people like NASA that these are happening daily. Uh, over our military um we're starting to hear more from people who weren't reporting before who are starting to accept that they should probably talk about this um more people have heard of mufon at this point or heard of new fork at this point because they've started to do their own research That's why the numbers are spiking up because more people are reporting them because they've heard of these organizations right right so i feel like um, it's dawning on people finally. Yeah, finally. So, yeah. So I just have, I want to try to cut in a couple questions because I had a couple more that I wanted to throw in. The first one is when you do the statistics, um, are you able to determine if someone's ever um, reported in two places? Is there a way to eliminate that or no? I mean, well, no, no, we, we, we don't have a way to do that. Okay. I was just wondering. But, but, okay. 
okay, you mean like, okay, uh, a thousand people saw the thing like in the Hudson Valley or something like that, like in the mm-hmm. 70s. So, all right. Remember I talked about those one-day flap game, uh, flap events? Right. Okay. That might be evident evidence of that. Okay. okay. One-day flap event. And like I said, I've identified 137 to 157. Or, I'm sorry, 737 to 757. Yeah, I think it's very unlikely that happens often. I think it's hard enough for someone to report to one. So I just, I wanted to ask because I was interested in the possibility of that. And then the other one is what about Puerto Rico? Have you considered doing anything for that or is it just no report? I have not used the U.S. I have not, we decided not to do the um, the U.S. territories. Okay. Uh, that, I, that, was a, that was a conscious decision. In fact, um one of uh, Linda's old uh, old uh, employees encouraged us to include the U.S. territories, but the the data was kind of scant. It's scattered. It was scattered around things like mm-hmm. this. Um, it, it just wasn't practical. And it wasn't going to show up much. You know, I mean, um, right. Puerto Rico had less sightings than uh, North Dakota. North Dakota is on the bottom of the list uh, above Washington D.C. The Washington. Every, you know, free capital of the free world, 200 sightings in 20 years. You know, um, where were the sightings? Well, one, the lake pollution is terrible in D.C. Trust me, I live there. And uh, I used to live there, rather. And um, the remember I said early in the talk, all this stuff happens in the suburbs, the bedroom communities, the unincorporated communities further out. That type mm-hmm. of thing. So all the all the DC sightings essentially are occurring in um, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. Okay, yeah. and out into their burbs, and I've I've literally tracked all the stuff there, and said, okay, yeah, here we go. And and I've actually seen the reports in Maryland and Virginia where they said the sighting was for DC, but I'm reporting it from Maryland. You know that type of thing. Right. So, I know. I was. Uh, I, I will say I was slightly reassured looking at your book because I was like, I feel like nothing's happening over here. <laughs> but I'll I'll tell you more about that off the record. Off the record. Yeah. Um. So my next question is. Um. And this will. I guess this will be probably my last because we're definitely going over. We're, not, we're, not, we're on overtime at this point. Yeah. Um. What is a Madar detection UFO? I couldn't. I wasn't sure what that. Okay. Meant. Okay. About three, four years ago, the magnetic anomaly detector. Um. I don't remember how many of them they've got operational now, but they've got them different. A lot of ham radio operators are are, are have this device, and they 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 monitor electromagnetic spikes and uh, they worked with uh, new fork and new fork uh, gets the hit and there's a radar report there and uh, give an example um, Newington, Connecticut has uh, had a lot of sightings one particular year. And I looked at that and I broke it down into shapes and it was, they had a very large number of radar detections magnetic anomaly detections. So we may see more of that as more radar stations come on, come online across the United States. I think it'd be so cool if it was stuff like sky hub detections or, you know, Galileo telescope detections. And if everyone, Oh my God, what if everyone just pulled everything together? It drives me crazy when I was working on the UFO connectors. There's actually all these little websites, many of which are abandoned by the way. 
asking mm -hmm. for reporting instead of sending people to the major reporting. You no, know, that's that has hurt us. That has hurt us. There's all these mom yeah. nights out there. Right. And it dilutes. Uh, people say, well, did you get stuff from those guys? And did you call the police departments and get them? You know, right. and, and I say, look, I worked for a newspaper. They used to get six to 10 reports a week and they threw them in the garbage can at the end of the shift. Right. So, yeah. So, so when we, when I did my column at the end of my column, if you have a sighting to report or know somebody that's had a sighting, both these organizations, I gave them the web address and I said, here it is call, you know, reach out to their website, file a report. They'll respect confidentiality. And um, I did that for 238 articles over, over, over seven years. So uh, and got the word out there the best I could, but you know, uh, Again, trying to get anybody to promote it, well, they don't exist. The news, remember, the news media, this goes back to a hysteria from 19, from Orson Welles' thing in 1938, okay, the War of the Worlds. People thought Mars has invaded New Jersey, okay? And when Roswell occurred, they said it was only eight or nine years before. And they said, we don't want to cause that problem again. Okay. And the Robinson panel came along in 52 and they said, we need to educate the American public. Well, okay. By 1964, we got Rod and Mary out here doing Star Trek. Okay. And that starts clicking. And all of a sudden we're talking to the aliens in, in, in Star Trek. Okay. So, um, we've had all of these things. I wrote a paper. I was finishing my my bachelor's degree in 2014, 2015 timeframe. And I, in one of my papers I wrote for this, um, I said, you know, in the 1940s and 50s, aliens from outer space were uh, slimy looking bug eyed monsters. Now they're some of the most, the aliens from outer space are some of the most revered fictional characters that we know. Mr. Spock, Yoda, uh, you know, uh, uh, Doctor Who, you pick them, you know. Uh, it's just, the pug. The, the pug. pug, you got it, you know. So all of, all of these things are possible now. People have been educated to some degree and only really probably that 17% in the, in the, in the, um, in the polls say oh, there's no such thing those are the ones that are going to short out when and if disclosure really comes down very very heavy in the next couple of months or in the next year or two which george knapp seems to think this is all going to happen over the next year well i feel like um it's one of my missions is to help with disclosure assigned by the way that's what it feels like it was an assigned yeah. mission so and i appreciate i appreciated you referring to us as the mothers of ufo statistics because um we, we we've had people go oh yeah right okay you know what do they know you know and we we've had some awfully horrible um we had hackers break into my computer a couple of years ago and literally fried thing Okay, right. get it, those ladies who do the UFO stuff. We'll fix that. Ha ha. Okay, fried my computer. You know, I think I'll talk just for a moment. I was going to wrap up, but I have to say something about this. Someone recently made the comment, there aren't that many women in UFOs. And I look around all the time and I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. I, see I don't know women. what they're talking about. I know. I see them everywhere. Well, okay, let, let's just go. Not, not even talking to ones on social media. Um most of the state directors anymore in MUFON are. 
Okay. A lot of their investigators are. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's at least on the board of MUFON, at least uh, a third of the board are women. Right. experience from investigators but see it, was, it tended to be a good old boy club for a long long time okay and like i said it was the good old boy club I think, that I harassed think me and Linda. i think it was just the ones that had money happened to be rich but like like they happened to be like the men that had money you know uh were noticeable but there well i had so a guy i had a guy at one of the mufon conventions me and linda this is a 2017 mufon convention um, I had helped them do publicity for it. One of their people, they were doing it down in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And uh, uh, one of the people who was trying to uh, promote it locally came to me, and I knew her pretty well, and she came to me. And uh, no, but Jennifer Stein, the documentary maker who did the thing with Travis Walton, okay? Uh, she came to me and said, look, we've identified a whole bunch of regional magazines. Would you be willing to write freelance articles for them about the UFOs in their area since you got all the data? I said, sure. To help promote the thing? Yeah, fine. So, um, and MUFON was going to, you know, get me gratis in there and also let us do a presentation down there. So, I, we did this. We put this all together. And uh, we, we generated up a, a lot of interest in the um, Pennsylvania uh, Delaware area and uh, uh, New Jersey, you know, that area for this. And um, so Linda and I were down there. We had a booth in the vendor area. We had a computer and a color printer with us. And if you told us your city or your county, we would give you a printout of the, the stats, okay? And I had several in old, and I'm going I'm I'm to use, I'm going to be very impolite, old coots and MUFON. Those MUFON numbers, whether it makes a MUFON and Newfork, oh, they can't be any good. Stomp away. Okay. Honest to God, there was, I, I must have had 10 of them. I had one guy looked at our book, flipped through the book, closed the book up, pounded on it. Did you get a man to check this? Now, remember, I'm a trans person. This guy is not clocking me. And I just sat back, and there was like this little tension with the vendors next to me who know me. Okay, And I just sat back and looked at him and said, don't worry. I got it covered. I got one home in a jar. And... And the, 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 the vendors on either side of me were just going bananas. <laughs> this guy is just going right over to this guy. But um, we've had a lot of that. Um, uh, they, 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 you know, I had one guy say to me at um, down near Arizona at the uh, UFO Congress back in 18. It was the year I won Researcher of the Year. Um, and the guy says to me, he says, You've been through a gender change, right? And he said, yeah, <laughs> 30 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I think that's crazy. Yeah, how can we trust your data? You're, you're nuts. You know, that, that that kind of attitude, okay? So um, uh, this, this world has so many double standards. I mean, none of these people who go to church, by the way, I was also brought up in the Catholic faith, FYI. None of those people are being penalized this way. 
And it's really the most scary stigma program, most effective PSYOP our country has ever done is to stigmatize this topic. And it's really set us back. It is. I've been telling people, um, you know, it's funny, you know, the government's jumping into it now. um, And I tell them, hey, you know, uh, Dr. Khan and may he rot in hell. Uh, uh, I hate to say that, but my attitude is that they set us back 50 years. Of course, made the Air Force generals that did not tell him that they were shutting down our missiles in Montana, mm-hmm. rotten hell with him because they didn't tell him. And he, we might have had a very different kind of report had they owned up to him this top secret information that they were shutting down our missile silos in montana mm-hmm. um, well in the condine report i remember there was some statement where someone said you know if we want more information we need to go to the public more for this report <laughs> and then of course we all know that the whole thing was a setup and that they were using the cia to get it done um, yeah, that, that's that's the whole thing, and, and you know, the, you know, people talk about disclosure. 2017 was a disclosure year, okay. And people don't realize that. Oh, they think about December 15th, you know, that, that all that stuff, okay. That New York Times doing a tip and all that, but actually, the whole year was um, in the February time frame. The Obama era disclosure was the CIA declassifying a whole bunch of stuff. It was mostly Kissinger cables from the Nixon administration, but there was UFO stuff in there. I downloaded all those PDFs, okay? And for years, the CIA said, oh, we don't study UFOs. That's crazy. This is a pet for me because I had already done it in the 70s, and no one paid attention. Yeah. Well, I, I had this stuff that they put up in National Archives had up there. And I'm sitting there and they had this one chart of monthly charts. And they had about 125, 130 reports. And it went up in the summertime and peaked back down. And they couldn't understand why the chart looked like, you know, uh, peaked in the summertime. And this guy's got things written in the margins. Is this summer madness? Is this meteors? What's causing this peak in the summer months, you know? And, of course, on my column, I printed that. I put that in my newspaper column, this image, and I put my own chart showing what the data looks like with 5,000 data points, right? You know, and, um, and these guys were pulling their hair out in 49 and 50 about this stuff, right? So it, it, it the, the CIA did us a big service. Um, Bush, Bush, President Bush, number one, he, he ran the CIA. He, he, he was part of this whole cover up. He said, yeah, you can't handle the truth kind of attitude. And um, it's a shame. But here we are. Oh, by the way, one thought. Um, yes, they are tracking around a lot of our military bases. I, I interviewed Lou Alessandro three times uh, during my newspaper stuff. And one of the points that came up, uh, he, him and I had a very candid talk at one point because I had kind of clearances like he did. I'm a mm-hmm. se- I was a senior electronic warfare specialist, very high clearance, very sensitive stuff. There was a bullet with my name on it in the safe, you know, that kind of thing. I was not going to be captured. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, the, he said, the majority of the stuff, people are saying, oh, sure, well, did you try it against all of our military bases? Well, since the fall of the Soviet Union, 
Most of the military bases are reserve bases now or Air National Guard bases or flat out closed. Only the active bases have this activity going on for the most mm-hmm. part. And mostly the bases that still that have advanced technology, code word, nuclear weapons. And that's why they're following the fleets. Yes. And what most people miss, and you can blame the major media in the United States for this. If you go back and find that newspaper article from the New York Times, it's still out there. And if you go and find that December 2017 newspaper article, they have that picture of the Tic Tac in the video. Okay. If you click on it and listen to the audio very carefully, stop looking at the picture, listen to the audio. News organizations did not let you hear the entire pilot conversation. Wow, look at the speed of that thing. Hey, there's a whole fleet of them up there. Okay. And CNN cut it out. Every major news organization did not play that part of the audio. You know what else they don't talk about that I've heard? That it wasn't just Tic Tacs. Oh, no, no, no. There's plenty of other stuff flying around. Yeah. I got a call from, uh, you know, when they released that picture from the USS Omaha last year, uh, a sphere that they were tracking on um, uh, infrared. They couldn't see it, but it was being tracked on infrared. And I got a call from a, uh, a journalist on the West Coast. So Cheryl, our sphere, you're supposed to be an expert. Are spheres a thing? Uh, yeah, 17,150 of them in the last 20 years. Why? He about fell off his chair. These things are, there's that many of them? I said, yeah. In the last 20 years, 167,632. And the guy dropped the phone. Okay, so I have to ask. Spheres are very popular right now because people are paying attention not, uh, I don't know if you've seen the Ross Colthart documentary yet. He's yeah. looking looking at a spear. I, in my research, because one of the things I have done is gone through all the FOIAs um, and read all the accounts there, found that spears and orbs very possibly could be the same thing, including the fact that sometimes what someone's looking at, the lighted orb becomes a metallic sphere. Um, people lately have been calling that uh, a Calvine um, picture. They're calling it a, a diamond shaped. It's a mm-hmm. saucer, baby. It's a saucer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I knew about that thing 10, uh, 10, 15 years ago, that particular image. Yeah. In fact, that photograph of the jet plane flying behind it, uh, that plane was tracking with it, and all of its weapon systems, black boxes, were burned out. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, then I, I must say, I had 50 people on Twitter when I made that statement, um, sorry, pushing me to tell them, you know, how did you find that information? I said, uh, just look at it this way. Back in the day, I was plugged in and I was able to see this stuff. And well, I think it's really telling that Christopher Mellon went to investigate that for all those people who think it was a U.S. tech. Why would Christopher Mellon go investigate her own tech? Yeah, yeah. He's been saying this stuff isn't ours, you know. I know, it's so weird. Uh, But yeah, I just think, yeah, we have some issues with categorizing shapes based on linguistic issues, right? Nuclear power plants. 
Mm-hmm. People say, oh, Cheryl, they got to be around our nuclear power plants. I've got the street address and zip code of every nuclear power plant in the country, all 55 of them. I've run that report. Nada. Right. That or the people aren't reporting them in that area, one or the other. Well, they're definitely not <laughs> consistently doing that. I can tell you that. They're definitely not. And I can tell you because one person I've spoken to was someone that used to protect those weapons, and he definitely did not report what he saw. Well, yeah, for that, that's not the weapons. I'm talking the nuclear power plants. Mm-hmm. Nuclear power plants like that. And and then I turn around and tell them, I said, they're not worried about our nuclear power plants. We're, we're worried about the 47 coal mine fires we have, on the, the strip mines and that type of thing. I can show you traffic there. Oh, we're not worried about that. You know, so, you know, it, it's we're worried about the wrong. These people are worried about the wrong stuff, you know, so. Yeah, I will say I'm not necessarily one of those people who thinks this is all a benign presence but it does occur to me that if you look at the moon and you see how much that thing gets hit with you know whatever is in space floating around and how little we get hit i'm you know it does make you wonder yeah um the funny thing is when these guys when these guys okay there's two issues with like the nimitz stuff when all that stuff started coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, when that stuff started coming out, people were going, um, you know, they didn't believe it first, right? You know, Navy pilots got to be messed up. You know, they, they can't, this can't be real. You know, uh, there's that classic stage of denial, you know, and uh, so they were going through all that. But uh, I was at, Megacon that year, uh, uh, that uh, a couple of years later, and guys that were on the radar ship that was part of the fleet were there. They had a table, and I talked to one of our chief petty officers, and I made sure he knew I was, you know, a former former Navy, and we talked about this, especially since I I had background in radar technology, and I asked I asked him, I said, you know. Uh, what was it like in CIC that day? He said, everybody was waking up very seriously going, holy shit, this is reality, you know? And then he said, the rough part was the fact that we came back, we were sworn to secrecy and we couldn't tell anybody. So suddenly a lot of our wives were saying, oh, you must be having a fair, you're keeping something from me. Who is she? And they couldn't do anything to, to, to mitigate it, they couldn't go and do counseling at the base or anything like that. There was nobody to turn to. It's this whole mental health problem we have in this country. Dr. Mack ran into it. Hey, you're crazy. Those people are nuts, right. you know. I've heard some really crazy stories. I've heard about people being ordered not to talk. I've heard stories about people being made to be hypnotized and then told that nothing that they said when they were hypnotized was true. You know, obviously we know people were told to misinform. You have some questionable deaths that have happened. Um, And then, you know, just it goes on and on. Like, come on, we need to get past this and move to a future where we're working on this problem together. The end. That's all I have to say about that. When we were finishing up the white book in 2016, uh, finishing up around 2017, um, we got to the point where we were getting pretty paranoid about it, but 
somebody's going to realize what we're doing. And one day we got up and found that our house alarm system had been turned off. Okay, that bothered us. Okay, so um, we started every weekend when we got done with what we were doing, we would burn, we would make it burn an entire copy of the database and the work that we were doing onto a thumb drive. I would put it in a five by seven envelope and seal it. We put a, a date code type of thing on it. And I would take it to work and give it to somebody at the office. Would you please lock this up in your desk? Okay. Uh, if anything happens to me, give it to my wife. Okay. If anything happens to both of us, send this to MUFON. And we had like six or seven copies every week. There was a, there was a, And we rotated them. Okay, we were constantly going and getting the oldest one. I worked in IT security at Lockheed. We were very good at putting things off site. Okay. And she was taking them into work and giving them to people at work. Say, would you keep this in your desk for a couple of weeks? Yeah, that type of thing. Because we were getting really paranoid. What if somebody burned a house down while we were away during the weekend or something like that? You know, that that we were worried we'd lose it all. You know, it's so funny. Um, I'm not. And it's almost like I know they're probably watching my show. They're probably listening to my podcast. They're probably looking at the UFO connector. Um, you know, they're probably paying attention to what I'm doing with the UAP uh, medical coalition. But I'm like, good. <laughs> like, that's my feeling. I, I have the same attitude when we came out with the book. We right. were waiting for something. We were waiting for somebody to come and tell us, you know, you can't do that. You know, in fact, when we uploaded it to Amazon, we didn't hear anything for two or three weeks. We thought, oh my God, they're sitting on it. What we found out when they did release it, they had gone out and marketed it. And the day our book came out, and not only was it available on Amazon, it was available on Barnes and Noble, you know, and a couple of other things. And people were advertising it, you know, and it was a trending thing, you know, especially when the New York Times did a story about it. So um, we'll see. But hey, I think we're running out of time here. We are way over time, actually, because you know we can't. Help you might it. want to edit this into two programs. Yeah. I don't. I can't, unfortunately, because we have Jim's heavy man tomorrow, so I, I don't want to bump into his show too much. Okay. Um, yeah. So I thank you so much for two reasons: one, for coming to talk to me, and for the work that you do. We really appreciate the, those of us, like I said, who are serious about this, not those. Uh, people who are very stuck on their uh, profitable narratives. Um, <laughs> we are very much appreciating what you're doing. And some of us who look at the forest instead of just the trees appreciate seeing the patterns. So thank you very much for coming and talking to me today. My pleasure. And I strongly recommend that you at some point in the near future have Linda on with you for an hour. Oh, she I will. She's the scientist of the two of us. I've got the top hat and the cane and the uh, the arts and entertainment degree. She's got the real science degrees. And she was very strict with how we were going to approach the, the stuff. 
I, I'm a career analyst. I analyzed, uh, let's just say I analyzed signal analysis, and that was kind of what I did. And in, in Lockheed Martin, a lot of my job was I was an analyst of security data and things like this. I've always looked at big numbers. And the goofy thing, one last cute thing you'll like, when the White Book came out and New York Times did the story, I got phone calls from people I haven't heard from in 40 years that I went to high school with. Mm-hmm. Cheryl, you flunked math all through school. How the hell did you produce a book of statistics? And my answer is this. Um, there's a thing called maturation. Okay. And sometime in my late 20s, one day I was bouncing my checkbook with a calculator and I hit a particular pattern in numbers by mistake. And then I started playing with it. And I sat there in a beanbag chair for three hours running patterns of numbers. Suddenly, it was singing to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this was goofy. This was goofy. So I said, okay, fine. You know. So I went out to a used bookstore and bought a, 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 an algebra book, a, C, a next level algebra book and a trig book. And I retaught myself mathematics because suddenly that facility went on in my brain. Yeah. And I had the same thing happen when I went to college. Same thing. I had a, finally a teacher that made it make sense. And I was doing statistics because when you do uh, psychology, you have to do statistics. Statistics are everything, yeah. Right, and probability. And it just was like, boop, you know, because it was the right the right voice. And I think maybe sometimes our children aren't ready for the, some of those more intense math <laughs> levels. I don't know. Maybe that's no, I, I think that too. And I know they're trying to prepare them for things. Um, one more thing like that. I did not set out to be a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing. My English teachers wrote in my yearbook in school, least likely ever to pick up a pencil again. Mm-hmm. Literally wrote that in my yearbook. And uh, I was in my, I was in my mid thirties. I went through my, was going to, I had gone through my gender change over a period of five years and didn't try and push it on to one year. Like a lot of people do. That's a recipe for death. And uh, I, I don't know, had to be the girl juice. One night prose just started pouring out of me. I sat down on a word processor and just started writing prose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I've published two novels. I've published a bunch of short stories. I've got published um, mysteries out there with other people, compilations. Um, uh, I've written uh, 25, 25 plays. And yes, they've been produced and published. You know, you've never heard of me, I guarantee you. But um, my plays are well known in Europe to some degree. Some have won awards. Some of them haven't, you know. But the deal is, is that things mature in a person sooner or later. So we're too late. We got to get out of here. Yes, please tell everyone where they can find you. Um, they, they can find me on Twitter. Um, uh, I'm doing a lot of stuff there. I don't even remember what my Twitter handle is. It's uh, Costa Writer, I think it is. Um, so Costa I'm on there. underscore writer. Costa underscore writer. Uh, my website was taken about taken, taken apart by hackers three or four times, so we just gave up the website. But you can go to Amazon if you want our books. And if you go up into the Amazon search for books and put in Costa UFO, you'll find it. If you're interested in metaphysical stuff, say Costa Witch, and you'll find my book of witchcraft, which is based on uh, 44 years experience as being a 
senior priestess. So um, that's it. But there's a couple. There's two UFO books up there. There's the white book with the statistics, the pink book with the statistics. That's the one to get. And the uh, other one is if you want to read all my stories from my newspaper column, there's a book there called The UFO Beat. It's my beat was UFOs in New York State for seven years writing a newspaper column. And that book has all my columns. That's actually pretty interesting. I might take a look at that <laughs> sometime soon. But also for everyone to remember, the state books are coming out. There's going to be hotspot work in the future. And if I can, you know, blink my eyes enough, maybe one day we'll get an entity-related one, right? <laughs> maybe one day. <laughs> if we can get somebody who knows anything, really seriously knows anything about this, that would be, uh, I'd be happy to put it into data. I would um, love to do a survey. The, but I, the, the one thing on the state series, the state series and the shape series that we're going to do. Mm -hmm. This was our attitude that um, we couldn't get academia's attention. Okay. So we figured we'll put out the 70, the, the 50 state books. And then we've got two data books. Now we'll put out the 50 state books and 29 shapes definable shapes will be about 75 or 80 books with the analysis books and we quite literally want to go to some university when we have all those books in our hand lay them out on a big table and said can we have our phds now that'd be really cool they might give you complimentary ones for sure and and by the way if anyone wants to create a ufo university i have ideas uh I, i'm interested i'm interested um right. Yeah, because if disclosure comes through, some of these colleges are going to start galactic study programs. Oh, yeah. They already have. They, They've already started selling them. I get uh, emails about some. I've got two adjunct professors quoting my work constantly. And right. I started writing to them. You know, uh, one, one thing that goes with that, though, is um, the idea of a university. The, the deal is, is to get these guys to actually entertain us and let us present the data and research one of the things we were talking about about before ufo congress you know congress started doing uh ufo paper uh, uh, hearings we were concerned and i told people this in 2019 i said what i'm worried about it's going to be a parade of swaggering navy pilots and a whole bunch of pentagon spooks and that's exactly what we've gotten we have not gotten the citizen hearings talking to the best and brightest from our community and we've been doing the civilian scientists research projects on this thing and they need to talk to us they really do and i've reached out to that current hearing group curse carson's office got my stuff i sent them stuff uh senator senator um um uh, whatever heads the senate he got my stuff rubio got my stuff so some key people there got my stuff they never said thank you or anything like that but they, they talk like they they've read it well you know it's really funny um we actually did have a, a citizen hearing that's on youtube and not enough people seem to be paying attention to that even though I will say it was also heavily military <laughs> and government, but the point is that it is out there and, you know, it is available not only to educate people who are new to this topic, 
But anyone who is currently in the government who wants to help uncover this with Congress, that's out there. People have testified and there's plenty of books. And that is why I think we could have a UFO university by itself. Oh, I'm I'm there with you. I think so. Um, And uh, well, um, Earl Gray, who's the senior investigator for MUFON now. Uh, and he was the senior investigator for LA County for ages. Um, he's uh, teaching a course. It's part of a um, it's part of a literature course, and it's about. Um, um, uh, I don't want I don't want to get the wrong word. Folk tales. It's about how stories are told in communities when they're not reported in the bigger stuff. You know, so um, he's he's teaching a class there. I have offered to several schools to come and give a presentation or perhaps mm-hmm. offer a class. And uh, I've even reached out to a couple of mathematicians and a couple of philosophy people. I asked the philosophy people, and I said, guys, what is this going to do to your philosophy models when we meet E.T.? Okay. Actually, I psychology, had psychology people. What's this? We can't. We can't tell you how the brain works. It's gonna, and we don't understand the paradigm for the brain. It's gonna take somebody outside of our culture to tell us how our brain works. We understand it more now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm. I'm on that path right now with neurotransmitters, but I don't want to. Oh, you need to talk to Linda. Yeah, we're gonna have another talk, and in the future. I think I will um, wrap it up for the sake of a listener who's probably listened for two hours and 11 minutes. I apologize. Thank you so much again. Thank you for everyone who listened. Um, Please go ahead and check out the books that we referenced earlier. There will be a link in the description um, for the Amazon book. And of course, um, look out for more books and go out on Twitter and find out about the rest of the stuff. There's some stats out there for someone who's impatient to go look um cheryl's been posting them on twitter and again this is deb from deb's at a dojo part of the calling all beings podcast network i'm at study of uaps on twitter linkedin facebook and so forth if you guys want to find me there you can of course and then you can also find me at ufoconnector.com and with the calling all beings show on youtube take care everybody